Hello and welcome to part two of Audible River with Scott Gresham Lancaster as my guest. I'm Alan Rice. And uh, just to catch you up, Scott is a composer and innovator in sound design and sound technology. And um, I think, Scott, that you're ready to uh, play some samples of your work for us. And we're going to talk about uh, listening to data, history of some of your work, and listen to some of your files. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where we're at. So this is part two because of, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. something that never happens to me, which is a technical difficulty. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is, the, I'm, I'm like a hyper nerd, to be honest. I mean, I've been doing technology forever. And there's always something complicated. I mean, you know, I just did a duo with a saxophone player and electronics with pitch following and all this stuff. And, and, and just before we went on, someone stepped on a cable and the sub-miniature cable that powered my my mixer broke like like right you know like just before we we're going to go on so i had to run out of the car and grab something and you know love it's like a pan just like this just kind of panic of uh, technology so that's part of the deal why i'm not too worried about ai because i mean <laughs> really okay why not <laughs> but i am sort of interested in that whole area and using it uh, in this more advanced area of sonification to figure out ways of of finding a bridge between things. I mean, they're using they're using AI now, and this is a segue into my later later work, which I, I did want to talk about, and we had to sign off a little early because of that technical snafu. Yeah. And that is that I, I just did a big piece for the uh, Bath Maritime Museum uh, called Sea Changed, which was about uh, the marine life 80 miles uh, southeast of Portland in the Gulf of Maine, there's something called Cash's Ledge, which was uh, is a maritime sanctuary that uh, was set aside by the Obama administration. That was pulled by the Trump administration. It's still pretty. Uh, who, the actual seamen that are out there, you know, the lobstermen and the fishermen and stuff, really respect this area, and there hasn't been any drilling or anything. The thing that's threatening it now probably is uh, the fact that they're going to be putting up some windmills off co off the coast. And so they're going through a lot of rigmarole about, you know, where to put the windmills because this is basically a mountain that just comes up out of the sea bottom hmm. and it's just rich with life. I mean, it's just like an amazing, uh, uh, you know, marine sanctuary, basically. Uh, and what I did with that piece was to uh, work with a bioacoustician who's been tracking the right whales, which are the particularly endangered whale species in the Gulf of Maine. But all the whales, there's humpbacks and uh, narwhals and a bunch of different different whales uh, that go that migrate and uh, feed along in a kind of zigzag pattern across the uh, the Gulf of Maine, and uh, they've they've tracked them pretty thoroughly each species. And I found this like chart uh, that was like the migration pattern of each species, and so I made an eight channel mix and got the sounds from a bioacoustician, this guy, Dr. Chris Trembley at the University of Maine in Orno, Maine. And I took all those sounds and made a mix that was true to their migration patterns. In other words, I panned the sound across the space in the, in the way that the whales actually go. And I, I gave every day four seconds 
So it's a 22, if you do the math, 365 times four seconds, you end up with a, around 20, 22, 24 minutes. I forget exactly, but you know, the loop itself of the thing is one year of migration. And so that's an example, uh, you know, kind of a detail, takes a lot of explanation, but that is a sonification of data. I just took the data of migration. I took the whale sounds and used that as the marker for the, what we call the cursor on a visual graph. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I and I panned it across the thing. Now, whether that's informative or not, I don't know. But it was a way of organizing what what is at the very least a sound art piece. And I have have a uh, have that. I, I'm not. You hearing that? Yes. That's a narwhal right there. Oh, there's a little bit of humpback. That's actually cod, that uh, thing. Oh. Blue whale right there. Narwhal again. So that's about a month's worth right there just of stuff that's just in two channels but uh you get the idea were you, were you able to hear that Alan? oh my goodness yeah that was amazing i i, I was kind of getting mesmerized with all those different uh sounds. yeah there's a lot of detail in there uh you know i had i had eight uh, there were eight channels and there were eight streams of of things being panned around it's much more interesting in my opinion in uh in eight channels but uh and this has been an experience i've had with lots of museums of course they turned it way down as soon as <laughs> as soon as it was in the space you know it sounded you know at the at the opening there were too many people nobody could hear it because everybody was talking and drinking champagne and whatever and then when when you're alone in the space they had turned it down so far because this the people that have to actually be in the museum all the time they get sick of it you know it's going around and around and playing <laughs> whale sounds for you know their whole work shift it's you know enough to drive anybody crazy really i mean you know i get it but at the same time uh uh it's just a sort of problematic aspect of all of this stuff but it's like that. it's really interesting when it's novel but i guess if you were listening to this all day every day it yeah it starts to wear <laughs> on you it's uh well i don't know i mean you know, some people listen to like country western music all day every day and they're fine so it, it just depends <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends on whether you want to hear it or not. You know, no, no the, criticism to country western part. fans, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or well, what are Bella Canto? You know, it's good. Whatever. I, I just I did this piece, and I was really proud of it, though, because it was very it was very scientifically accurate, and yet it just came off like some kind of like weird art piece. So uh, that's 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 the kind of area that I've been residing in all along, and because. 
that listening to data, sonification, is such a strange space that people are not familiar with. I, I did hear a thing in uh, the 18th century, late 18th century, when the French made the first graph, you know, XY coordinate, uh, something that we totally understand that, you know, the X axis is the amount and the Y axis is time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is the stock exchange is going up and down over time or whatever. And we totally get that. But there was a 17 page explanation of what was going on with with that simple idea because they just hadn't they didn't know you know what this is just like some lines i don't i don't understand what you mean you know and she so had well the bottom line represents time and the upper one is you know what the stock price is and you know it's an easy enough concept to get but uh, that's because we grew up on graphs and and sonification has got the same kind of problem you have to do this big exp like i had to do that big explanation of well, there are this uh, migration of the whales and it's going to pan back and forth and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you, you got to know all that. You can't just hear the sound and automatically go, oh, that's whales in the Gulf of Maine. And this is their migration pattern. You just you know, don't have any way of knowing because there's no labels on anything. And you kind of have to have a you have to talk about it. I mean, the, the other interesting project that, that my power shortage uh, problem <laughs> brought up that didn't get talked about was something that as about a 20 years old project now that my friend Bert Barton, who's an amazing, uh, I don't know what you'd call him. He's a, uh, he's an impresario and a music performer and a theater producer. And um, he, for example, did a, a production of Dante's Inferno in a, 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 a clean trash. So like, uh, uh, recycled wood and, and, you know, not, not like bad trash, but like <laughs> uh, uh, clean kind of, but he, but he built a whole set and, and then made this uh, kind of football stadium truck that drove around the site and they built the set out of the, out of the leftover refuse in this and, and did a whole version of Dante's Inferno or Faust. He did a whole version of Faust. I'm sorry. Inside, uh, inside this uh, trash midden, <laughs> uh, with the surround sound on, on, and this big uh, tilted thing with the audience sitting on a raked, like kind of bleachers, like football bleachers, and drove around the, the dump, you know, where the performance was. I mean, he does some weird stuff like that. But uh, so he and I have been collaborating on pieces for lots of years. And, and we were at Muir Woods in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Marin County in, in California. And I took him there and he'd never really seen a redwood grove. And we just happened to have something called a crackle box with us, which was this thing that was developed in Amsterdam at, at a center called Stein. And it was like kind of a, it, it took your finger uh, pressure and sensitivity and played like weird electronic music based on how you squeezed it and stuff. So it's called a crackle box. And I had one of those with me just for fun in my pocket. And we stuck it on the tree and it started going like, and that was, this is like literally 25 years ago. And we, we get, he got the idea for talking trees. So if people in the audience want to go to talkingtrees.com, you can check out uh, that that just grew into this whole thing. And Bert really has gone all out with all his production skills and everything. And he has a festival. He owns a chateau in, in uh, near Vesoul, France, and, and he has a, 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 a Talking Trees Festival he, for two summers now. He's had it, and it's kind of become an annual thing. And uh, basically, it's all this music and meditation and uh, just uh, kind of simpatico energy with trees. 
and uh, and so we've made a bunch of music uh, using parameters coming off of live off of trees and 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 playing performing for audiences. So we did something in Bergeich, uh, in the Netherlands, uh, at the Stilling Festival, uh, where we had a big tree next to the stage and it was all wired up, and we did this. Uh, live performance uh that i i think i could play a little bit of that let me see if we can yeah that'd out. be great yeah it uh if you go to talkingtrees.com it's there for sure but yeah no here it is here here Well, I'll stop it there for now. I mean, that, that, the thing to know is that each one of those arpeggios is a day worth of data of the tree. So the little variations that are happening in that arpeggio are the variations that are happening in a tree. And then the the timbral variations, which might not come across on this podcast that easily, but there are these very subtle tonal variations that are happening in the drone behind it. And that's what's happening on the actual tree that is listening to its own data of months of information, or if it's listening. I, I don't know how trees listen, actually, because they, well, they, they probably do. I don't know. I mean, this is a very weird area that we're getting into, which leads to the next part of this whole thing. Hey, I have a question about what we just heard. So are you saying yeah. that that it, 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 uh, it had a sort of rhythm, it had a sort of melody? And are you saying yeah. that all of that is like a, a normal cycling of a tree in a, a day after day? So we're, yeah. So yeah, we got the data from a guy at the University of Utrecht, Frank, uh, I can't remember Frank's last name, but he's a, a philologist, which is a, you know, well, that's a stamp collector. I forget, but the guy who, who does, um, you know, the botanist who, who is specializes in trees, and he gave us this data, and then we, we sort of turned it into this, uh, and, 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 and found these patterns, which looked like arpeggios to us, once we spread up the time, the time uh, domain. Uh, to be so every go bum 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 that's a that's that's two days I just did right there I mean so and but then then but then we would play that against what was really going on with the tree in real time which is a much slower thing you know it's it's basically a big bell curve it goes up till noon and but it depends on the weather and it depends on you know the time of year and it depends on how the specifics of the tree and all that kind of stuff yeah you know what Scott I mean honestly. I can I can see a time when when people could 
be taking in this kind of information in a normal way. You know, like it'd be just as like you were saying, be just as used to hearing this as looking at a graph and grasping what they're what they're. Well, I mean, this is something I've been working on. I don't know whether it's a tree or or weather data for that matter. I mean, I think if we got used to hearing some kind of thing that was the weather forecast, where it goes like. You go, oh, well, it's going to be foggy in the beginning of the day, and then, then the sun's coming out, and then there's going to be rain around three. You know, but you could actually have specific sounds for each of those that you're used to. And, you you know, uh, we don't have that, I mean, but, but it, that could be a thing. And it would be very easy to have a little snippet of sound that just told you the whole forecast. And the intensity and pitch of things would tell you how strong the, the rainstorm is going to be and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because we can really decode a lot of information. I mean, they call it the music cognition. That There's a lot uh, just uh, or auditory cognition, actually. Uh, and and then, then it gets, like I said, there's like this threshold between music and sound that's very complicated. Uh, uh, that's become even more complex with uh, noise music and things like that. But um, uh, the, the really the most interesting thing is that this uh, this tree piece really is about time scale a lot of times. And even even the way I sped up the whales you know, to really listen to these things in the time that they're happening is much, much more uh, meditative and stretched out. And, you know, life happens really a lot slower, actually, on on that level. And you're, and you're sort of forcing it into this sort of, uh, you know, uh, TikTok, Instagram <laughs> time span, right. attention span, you know, right. like, bumper stickers and memes become like the political arguments instead of like long discourse about ideas anymore. And it's the same kind of thing. And so that, this is one of the things I like about it is it kind of forces you to really think about time and the effect of time uh, on the experience of things and that kind of stuff. Well, Scott, this is, the, and what are you currently working on at, at the moment? I mean, you, obviously you probably have a lot of projects. What's your, what's your favorite thing that's got your mind brewing at the moment? Well, I'm actually, uh, something's come up with the Talking Trees project uh, where I am, there's a, there's a, a group called HeartMath uh, that the listeners can look up uh, that's based out of Marin uh our boulder creek I, I forget but anyway they're they're in california but they're sort of an international thing and they've taken over uh this is a segue into a thing I, something i've been working on there's a hub piece of mine called noah's noahsphere which is a, a term by tehard der chardin which is a reference to the global consciousness and he was of a mind that there was this uh, alpha and there was this omega point which was the which was the co collection of all consciousness on on the planet was probably a manifestation of God or something like that. I mean, he was a Jesuit uh, priest and a paleontologist, so really interesting combo. He got in a lot of trouble with the Catholic Church, but he was a devout Catholic. But, but anyway, interesting guy. And and the Noosphere was this peace of mind. There was a guy at the Global Consciousness Research Institute at Princeton University, and a guy named Roger Nelson, who was doing uh, uh, a thing where he was, he was working with John Walker, who's the guy who started, uh, uh, who's uh, AutoCAD, you know, the, he, was, oh, yeah. he was like a, a tech billionaire, he sold AutoCAD, moved to Switzerland, started something called Formulab, and he was distributing these uh, random generators all over the world 
that could send out UDP addresses. I'm, I'm getting technical here, but sending out whether it was a one or a zero, like just flipping back from one zero, one like that. And, and then there was a collection of them. And this was called the Global Consciousness Project. Um, oh. And so uh, I did a piece called Noosphere that took the data in real time off the Noosphere thing and with the hub and played that. I mean, I, I could play a little snippet of that. If you want could you hear. really? Because, wow. Yeah, yeah, I got that piece ready to go here. Let's hear it. Here, I'll go into it a little bit. Well, that's, I mean, it goes on like that. It's like a 10 minute piece, but the, basically that, that was data directly off of uh, this global consciousness project. And the reason why I started talking about that, I know you asked me about the current project. I just, long story, long story, it's a long story. Um, and uh, the global consciousness project, Roger Nelson is now an emeritus professor and the HeartMath Institute took over this project. And so if you go there, you can find uh, this same project going on the research of and the interesting thing about it is they are finding uh, uh correlations of this random numbers when there were big events like when 9 11 happened there'd be these like spikes of coherence when princess die died every new year's there's like a kind of coherence that follows the time around the around the globe follows midnight when so in other words when the collective uh consciousness focuses on together you get these like coherences of randomness, which is really weird okay, phenomenon. Right. This is this is fascinating to me. So let me just uh, uh, yeah, talk this back. So you got random number generators all over the world, yeah. right? Yeah. And so they're constantly being recorded. And what you're and they're not they're not just to be clear they're they're true random. They're based on radioactive cobalt radioactive tabs. So they're they're not. They really are random. They're not like some pseudo random number generator. Not, kind of not algorithmic or anything like that. This yeah, is, yeah, this right. Is There's like, no numbers involved. They're a physical phenomenon that's random. It's a physical phenomenon. Oh, you know, that makes it even more interesting to me because so what but what we're saying, what you're saying, there's a there is a, a real there's proof of a correlation between um, global uh, mental state, let's say a global conscious uh, participation in some event and these yeah. and these random numbers that are generated there seems right. to be some correlation there you know th this is the thing that's really interesting to me and i've had other people on my podcast that kind of touch on this sort of thing it's like uh, you know it's an essential question that i've had all of my life in my 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 mystical mind is like just what kind of influence do each of us have as individuals on reality 
And so now you're, this, right. te- this technology is, is, uh, is, is right in there with that question. Well, and, and uh, the heart math people, so they they're, did that, but they also did a thing with trees. So they have a thing, if you pay them $600, you can hook up your tree to their tree network. And they're doing, uh, I mean, they're just looking at the voltage potential change, just like, uh, well, you know, instead of using a random number generator, they're using trees. But it's the same kind of thing. And so to answer your question about what I'm currently doing is uh, they post all that stuff up on the internet. And it's a, basically an Arduino, for those of you with technical background, that is looking at the uh, the voltage change of the difference between the earth, you know, literally the ground, you know, like you drive a spike into the ground and, uh, you know, like you would for your house to get uh, your neutral for your electrical system and the tree. And there's a electrical potential that's different, that's based on the bio activity of the tree are somewhat influenced by the bioactivity of the tree. To me, it's not the best sensor, but it is a sensor of the tree's physiology. And, you know, that's a whole thing in itself. But but the bottom line is that um, they have these things hooked up to the internet, so I can go and get this data off this tree in Turkey, where they've asked us to write a piece for an orchestra based on the tree data, well, Bert and I. And so we're working with these Turkish musicians. This is the current project that I'm kind of starting to starting to uh, 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 ramp up on uh, is to take the tree data, which is part of this heart math thing, and and turn it into a composition that can be played by a Turkish a woman's Turkish orchestra in uh, Marmaris, uh, uh, Turkey, wow. in May or June. That's that is fascinating. So Scott, if uh, if anybody wanted to keep track of what you're up to, uh, uh, can they just look you up on the web? Do you have a website? Yeah, I mean uh, scott.greshamlancaster.com, and Gresham Lancaster is all one big gigantic uh, combination of my wife and my name, <laughs> which is you know we did that in. <laughs> Back in 77 when I first met you, Alan. <laughs> that's right. 77. That was a, a while ago. That a long time that's, ago. That's another podcast. We can talk about those days. Alan and I re-met later on, like kind of like, are you kidding me? You know, like I met you in Richmond, Virginia, and then we, we both ended up in Oakland somehow. And, you know, it's like. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's that's a definitely another story. Hey, you know what? Yeah. I think that that's, uh, that is uh, good for our time here on this uh, oh, okay. episode. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I can wrap on. I got more, man. I got. <laughs> I know you do. We can make this right. So, so we're, we're... consciousness thing is very interesting. I think uh, those who are interested might want to look into the heart math thing. Uh, they they call this heart coherence is the thing they're into, and they have biological sensors. Uh, one other thing, just to, so just before we completely, uh, uh, part of this thing is I'm I'm working on a piece called Tree Hugger, which is a a way of generating music only if you're hugging a tree. So it, it's picking up your physiology and the tree's physiology and the music, only, you know, it's a what they call an and. It's got to be a human and a tree in order for, for there to be any music. So, so are you going to like make an app for this or something? Can anybody do I this? I'm going to make a, make a little uh, uh, easy to strap on uh, tree hugging device. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on that. Now, I might just be something I use in performance and not, I mean, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be Elon Musk here or something, you know, it's like, I don't, uh, I don't, you know, I, I, I really not very good with the commercial sector at all, but I am interested in these ideas and I like the way people input. And this is this guy, Jorkin Berks, Jorkin, uh, 
Jesse Harkin's last name. Anyway, uh, this guy, I, I took him to Methuselah, which is up in up on Skyline, and showed him it's a very old old growth tree. It's the one that they left after cu cutting down all the first all the old grandfathers uh, on grandmothers along uh, the ridge there in Skyline Boulevard above Woodside, California. And he hugged that tree and he comes from a family of psychics and stuff. And he just, he was there for 45 minutes hugging the tree and he was having all sorts of visions and stuff. And that, that was like literally tree hugging, you know, like it just <laughs> cast a spurgeon on tree huggers, but this guy was literally like really getting into it and having some kind of psychic communion with the tree. So that's, this is what influenced you know, in in conjunction with the talking trees thing, it just made me think, yeah, I should do a piece around this. You know? Absolutely. It's a real thing. And you know what? I would love to one day see the Scott Gresham Lancaster catalog of weird gadgets. I mean, that would... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I would love that, man. I would. I think I would like get on a subscription to that. It has all this goofy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. Well, it's great talking to you, Alan. And, yes. You know, same here. Same here. And that is all for this episode of Audible River. If you have any thoughts you'd like to share, you can email us at audibleriverpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.